Hey there, welcome to the Hillside Midweek Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope that this episode encourages you, and we'll catch you next time. Hello, Hillside, and anybody else that is uh, with us as we kind of have this little bit of a midweek conversation. And uh, Pete, thank you for opening up Philippians 4 uh, for us. Uh, you mentioned this book by, is it by Buzz Aldrin or is it just about Buzz Aldrin? No, he wrote it. Okay. It's a, it's about, return, about 1971, return, return to Earth. Return to Earth. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was kind of an interesting read um, to, to see the details that all went into, you know, billions and billions of dollars spent on this. And, and it was such a lofty goal um, for mankind to accomplish that, uh, anyway, when he got back, he was famous and everybody in the world wanted to hear from him. So they quarantined, you know, he and the two other guys for a while and then sent him on this world tour that was devastating to his personal life and to his family. Really? If you ever, if you, if you just want to read something to remind you why you don't want to be famous, you would read <laughs> this, this book. A, yeah. Um, and so it was, it was profound. And some of the descriptions of course are just remarkable, like what it feels like after 12 days in space mm. to now uh, have gravity, you know, you know, back upon you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, d- I love his that, description of that. That is such a, I mean, as I'm, as I listen to it, I'm sitting there thinking when I mow the yard for an hour and you feel the vibration of the <laughs> yes. mower and you take yes. your hands off yes. and it feels odd to you to not have it going on, you still kind of feel it. I, we always see the astronauts floating through space, you know, but never really think about this new reality they now have to come back to. And he was up there for 12 days and already just was confronted very, I guess you could say, yeah. uh, promptly by the like, oh, everything feels mm-hmm. heavier. And then you figure that there are people that are up in space for months at a time. How odd that has to be to come yeah. back to a new reality. Oh, no, he actually said this. I didn't say it in the talk, but he said, I had known what to expect on the unknown moon more than I did on the familiar earth. Wow. So <laughs> that, that's why it was a, it, it was a good read for that, mm. for that reason. And I thought, you know, illustrates this whole idea of this is a real down to earth kind of spirituality that Paul, mm-hmm. it's real trench, dirty, earth-like kinds of you know, I've issues. seen I've seen astronauts try to sort of I guess combat the feeling uh, by you know they've got treadmills up there they'll strap themselves down with resistance bands to try and create a gravity that that at least makes them um, you know while you're while you're out there flying to the moon you're at least tied to the the earth in some way you know where you still feel uh, like like you're tied to the tied yeah. the ground. I was reading something recently about, uh, I, I, don't, I can't remember, how, how long have these guys that are in SpaceX and they've been up there for... I don't know. You know I don't know how don't long, know. but somebody was making the comment that, you know, if you're up there, and if you would have been up there, let's say, three months ago, and you were up there for your four-month stint, because I think that's how long they're up there for, yeah. somewhere around there, uh, and then you come back to Earth and you have no idea what's <laughs> happened on this planet. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, no, I wish I could have stayed up there. And you got to feel that way when you get to Philippians 4. You're like, man, that upward call seems really great. Get me there fast. Meanwhile, we live in the trenches right here of, you know, you know relational conflict and, um, you know, tough circumstances yeah. that we're all in right now. Yeah, yeah and be considerate. I, 
this is kind of a funny note, but I had a, a not my roommate, but a guy that lived across the hall from me at college that wanted to work for NASA. And he basically took one look at me and was like, you're not NASA material. <laughs> but I would love, like, I don't know. NASA's, I'm definitely not Na NASA material. NASA has Read that book been, and you'll know. Yeah, <laughs> NASA has always been that thing that it was like, a, I would love for people to be like, well, if Mike wasn't a pastor, he could have worked at NASA. <laughs> but we all know. Yeah, it's funny you we say that. We all know. There's Listen, no it's way funny you say that because there happened. were multiple moments in that book when I said, "Oh, I could have never done that." Yeah. Oh, I could have never. I could have never. I could have never come up with that. I could have never. No. When you were saying you that they planned that whole trip almost to the the millisecond literally right? within a half second every single one of the maneuvers that had to happen from the time they took off to the time they landed happened it's unbelievable within a half second so yeah. that's how precise and yet that's how and that's how confident they were they literally were in that thing and and did not have anxiety about whether or not this was going to work at any at any moment it's mm. it's amazing yeah it's pretty amazing yeah so yeah. yeah, but to get back, okay, to get back into kind of Philippians four, and and we have this dispute that is happening within the church, and I I really like this is something that has I think really been a a theme, even if we didn't try to make it a theme, but it's we've talked about it a lot at Hillside over the past year, that what happens in your individual life and how you handle yourself and how you handle the good, the bad, the ego, you know, where glory is going, your identity, conflict, it is always going to affect the community, right? And here we have that kind of happening. And as you said it, I, I didn't even think about this, that, you know, they're literally reading this as a community oh, and yeah. Paul puts their names in there and man how mm -hmm. awkward that would have been mm -hmm. that you just kind of got called out in a in a gentle way paul could have been harsher but in he a was, gentle way he was and he even gives them kind of some compliments about how they have worked for the gospel and you know well let me tell you what that suggests so you got you got two spiritual giants here these two ladies that were considered to be a a, a significant part of the of a close network of paul's team imagine if you were on paul's sort of short list of you know people that hung out with him and and really worked with him yeah so these were spiritual giants who are at odds for some reason and and i think that just speaks to relational uh, you know conflict is 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 hard for everybody mm -hmm. it's not just you know the busy bodies in the church all of us have you know, you can be really good at ministry like they were. You can be really knowledgeable about the gospel, and they were. But here they are in the middle of relational conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that, that's, a, that's a, an important lesson for all of us to well, hear. Well, it's so important, I think, too, to, to like really realize that um, your, just like your own individual life doesn't just affect you, your your individual relationships sort of these one-on-one -on -one relationships don't just affect those two people or the little group of people it affects the whole community and that's something that they they saw in philippians right they these these two ladies it, it wasn't just their conflict it became the whole church's conflict yeah, yeah and that is i think uh, it's a it's a great 
thing to think about. I mean, very few times do we think, I'm not going to do that because it's going to affect the church. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm not going to respond to you that way is because there's a, there's a group of us that matter more than, than the situation we got going right now. That's, mm -hmm. that's an incredibly high-level spiritual thinking mm -hmm. yeah. that I think Paul's getting at down further in the text about whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, you know. Um, yeah. think on those things. Well, and it's so important for us to return to those things because I, I don't know about you, but every once in a while when I hear somebody else talking to me about their conflict that they're having, which, which I think also needs to be said, it's inevitable. We're, there's going to be moments of conflict. Mm -hmm. yeah. Conflict isn't the issue, right? Okay. Uh, when we sit down and do premarital counseling with a couple, the conflict isn't the issue. Actually, conflict can bring about more respect and growth relationally mm -hmm. between spouses, between friends, even between enemies, right. if you're willing to handle it in a good way, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And so- Very important. Yes. The conflict, you know, isn't the issue, but it's, it's funny that when we sit down and we talk to people, maybe it's spouses, maybe it's friends that have some type of conflict that we are not attached to, how easy is it to just be like, ah, just do this. Just why don't you just view it like that, right? Yeah, why are you letting that bother moment, you? The moment, the <laughs> moment someone involves you in something or offhandedly says something to to me now, it's like uh, I'm sitting in bed thinking about it all night, going, yeah. "Do I need to handle this? Like I'm <laughs> no, so no. I can't How many believe." How times have you said why? to somebody, yeah. "Dude, that's nothing. Don't worry, yeah. about, it. No, like, don't worry about that." In in conflict, <laughs> the thing that I hate the most is assumption when you're grouped in with something, you know? And so to hear somebody challenge me on the like, oh, I assume this about you, when I'm like, that, that's not me at all. That's where I go in conflict right away. And I think that's why Paul's saying, we gotta be thinking past that kind of stuff. We gotta be thinking past because these little bits that are so like, when it's somebody else's problem, they're they're like minuscule well, but when it's yours that's right. it's the utmost importance that we handle this and i say my side yeah. and i think it's also important to realize that paul throughout the book may have had this conflict in the back of his mind as he was addressing mm. all the other kinds of conflict which i think is or, or the, the appeal to unity and the appeal to be of the same mind because i may not have a problem with a particular individual but it's very possible that people in the church sort of sided with one of them. Mm -hmm. And they were not personally involved, but they got sort of caught up in sort of the, 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 the group. Um, the teams, the yes, sides. The, the, sides. the line and so the, Not necessarily yeah. in conflict, but Paul's not even wanting that. And he wants the individual conflict resolved because he doesn't want to see any ripple effect of the conflict mm -hmm. going to anybody else saying, well, I would, I'm sure Syntyche was right and Yodi is nuts. Yeah. And you, Paul doesn't want any of that kind of conflict right. going on either. And so as we get back together right now, there probably won't be individual conflict. There'll be group, uh, the masks and the unmasked, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the, the ones who are willing to put their kids in a uh, in the children's ministry and the ones I would never put my kids in there are the ones who show up here and the ones who say I would never show up right now. Yeah. You know, we could easily be divided. Mm -hmm. So it's a good word yeah. to, to, think about, uh, to think about that. And when you consider right now that people are trying to tackle global and cultural and larger, you know, reconciliation issues, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
you need to be able to handle the ones that are right in front of you. Right. And you realize how hard they are. Yeah. Uh, all conflict is, is, is hard. I thought that was such a good point when, when you brought it up was uh, just that these, these are all these are all microcosms of a global of a global issue. Right. And so anytime that you can not just not just try and, and fix something on a massive scale, but how, how can how can I fix the thing that's that's right in front of me? And I'm curious what you would say to um, to, to those coming in. And, and like you said, these opinions are very strong. I've got very strong opinions. I'm not going to say what they are, but I've got very strong opinions on it. But what would you say to the people that are coming in that either say we have to have masks on to protect ourselves, to protect others as a sign of, you know, whatever. And to the other side that would say, if I have my mask on, I'm touching my face more and I, it's causing me to, you know, move stuff around. You know, people have very good reasons, very good, you know, facts, you know, for uh, whatever statistics for, for, their, for the reason that they have entrenched themselves on one side or the other. Right. What would you say to those of us coming in who have a very staunch view of why, right. why I feel this way and why it should be my way and, and not the other groups? Well... You know, this is not a moral issue. This is a, this is an opportunity for me to recognize that I have, and all of us do, when we all walk in here, we don't necessarily have masks that distinguish us, but every single one of us have opinions that are far different than other people in this room. Uh, we, we, we carry ourselves far different than other people do in this room. We look different than a lot, than a lot of the other people in the room. And, um, but we have to be able to get along through that. I mean, how wonderful it will be if I can look at anyone with a mask on and, and think to myself, I'm fine with it. You're, if, if, if it works for, for you, it's, o it's okay. And for that guy to even look at me and go, man, I appreciate your freedom. I appreciate yeah. your mm -hmm. sort of, uh, you, you know, your approach. This, is, this, this doesn't have to di divide us. We yeah. can be different and yet still be together and see beauty in the difference. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. important to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and to not, I, I love how in my mind and our minds and just, you know, our culture's minds, we assume a side that has chosen an opinion or a preference on something must be extremely ignorant <laughs> because if they were as informed as we were, then they would not be on that side. Right. 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 And so just that grace that can be given to each other that we've talked about for weeks, the gentleness that can be the consideration, the respect, you know, those types of things that should characterize the body of Christ, right? Yes. Now, two things I will say. You have the option of staying home. Everybody has that and nobody's going to be upset. You, uh, but if you are worked up by someone in the opposite camp of you, that's a sign of something that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. It's just not healthy. And um, you're going to have to figure out how to, how to address that. Yeah. Well, a guy in our church this week said, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, not the point makers. And I just thought that was so profound. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the point makers. If everything that you are doing is to get your point heard, and you just feel like I have, if I just got one more fact, yeah. <laughs> if I could give you one more fact, yeah. you would come right. to my side. Right. 
but I thought yeah. that was so good. Blessed are the peacemakers, yeah. not the point makers. I'm yeah. really hoping everybody will get together. We'll just be so excited to be together. It won't yeah. matter if our face is covered or not. Mm-hmm. We'll just be happy to be together. That's, yeah. that's what it needs yeah. to be. Yeah. So as Paul transitions out of this conflict, remind me, it feels a little jarring that he comes out of dealing with a conflict and goes straight into kind of the anxiety and prayer side of it. What, what do you feel like is the reason why he transitions from one or continues his thought into that subject? You know? Yeah, I think there's a couple of possibilities. One of them is um, I think Paul has sort of communicated. Right from the beginning of the book, it was interesting that I got the subject of prayer on both ends of the book. Mm-hmm. So I think um, your inner life, your prayer life for Paul was so significant, so crucial to all the other interactions you had. And we, maybe, maybe our slow progress at a community level and a relational level is because of the fact that our inner lives aren't, aren't strong. They, they will mm-hmm. easily under different circumstances and circumstances that Paul was in and that he's writing about throughout the whole book could very well have been some of the reason why the people were having conflict. Yeah. And yeah. so because they weren't managing their circumstances very well, it was causing conflict. Well, yeah. Think about, I mean, that is true. There's this, there is a connection between someone that is in an anxious spot and how they respond, right? That's like, exactly right. I don't know if you guys remember the show Deadliest Catch, where yes. they're out on these boats for days, no sleep. Huh. One of the most dangerous jobs right. that you can have literally in the world. It's hard for me to watch, yeah. let alone. And they don't respond to each other well because... They have no time to handle what's going on. The stress, the sleeplessness, the, you know, like, and so there is definitely a, a uh, attachment between us handling our anxiety, praying through things, having those moments of solitude, like yeah. now and talked about, and conflict in our lives, yeah, whether great, we handle it well or don't that's handle it. That's a great illusion, because you're in this storm and it's like, everybody's got a job to do and, and mistakes are uh, life and death. And it's, it's really hard to be considerate yeah. of other people. It's yeah. really hard to be gentle with other people, yeah. you know? And I, sure, there's a lot of cussing. And I, goes I remember <laughs> sitting at home with my Dr. Pepper in my head and watching these people on the boat and going, I would never act like that. And I'm sitting in my 74 degree AC room <laughs> on, my, on my flat screen, yeah, right. you know, like full, full well, well slept, you know, like no everything. And, and then when I think, oh man, when I've been on a mission trip and you just have that grueling day mm-hmm. where it's like you wake up in the morning, it's hot, it's sticky for the whole day. You're tired of dealing with people. You're bound and very quickly. To you be can a see the you're link. Bound. <laughs> yeah. You can see the link between taking care and the prayer side of it and the conflict side of it. You Absolutely. Know? I, uh, I, one of my, I, I know most people that have, have, uh, you know, heard me speak a couple of times and especially with, with, uh, teenagers, you know, being around teenagers so often we have a anxiety and depression kind of, I guess you could say, uh, epidemic that is taking place yep. in, in the adolescent ages. And, uh, you know, I think one of my favorite books that we have reached out to so many parents with is just a great resource you know, to, to kind of start pulling back some of the layers of that topic is My Name is Hope by John Mark Comer. And he talks about anxiety in the book and has a quote that I just absolutely love. I, I wrote it down. It says that anxiety exposes idolatry, 
we worry about what we worship. And although I don't want to make that like a blanket statement for all anxiety. I think it's a layer. It's a layer. Yes. We can each admit, no matter where you fall or how much anxiety you are struggling with in your life, that Mm -hmm. that statement is true in some area or some degree, right? Mm -hmm. That we worry about what we worship. And what Paul is really pushing us to is what? Like make sure the prayer and the worship in your lives are directed at the right object of worship, the right being, the right one who can fully supply you with the peace and rest and wholeness that you need, not towards the object of worry that is causing it. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, one of the things you have to address in your, you know, in that time alone with God is what I'm anxious about may have too high of a place in my life. Mm-hmm. That has to be addressed. Yeah, um, there are legitimate concerns. I, you know, I have tons of them. You know, like I, I would imagine you guys do. There are legitimate concerns. There are some that that overwhelm and really just weigh heavily on people. There are the everyday kinds of concerns. I mean, I I don't know that they necessarily fall into that category. But when they get to a place that they're debilitating me or causing problems in my relationships or keeping me or debilitating me personally from, you know you know, living a healthy life, well, then it's very possible that I have um, exalted something to a higher place than it ought to be in my heart. And that happens all the time. Our Mm -hmm. hearts are fickle. You'll do it on any given day. It could be anything on any given day. And so, yes, I think that's true. Henry Nouwen put it this way. Sadness is, is, is the result of attachment, false attachment. Mm. So your heart gets broken by certain expectations, certain hopes, certain desires that don't get fulfilled. And of course, we all know that personally, what that yeah. feels like. Something I wanted, I didn't get. Mm-hmm. Or uh, So yeah, I do think that that's one of the elements. And the whole dynamic of prayer and conversing with God, and I'm reminding myself that really all I need is Him. I got to be dependent on Him and trust Him for everything. Nothing can really take His place in that relationship. And that's what prayer helps tease out so that I yeah. can, you know, at least deal Get with that perspective things. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, each of us and viewers and listeners as well can probably on a day by day, almost hour by hour, uh, what would be the right word? Analysis. See where anxiety is playing a role. And that will show how much we are trusting, how much we're mm-hmm. praying. Right that all you can just kind of almost by the minute by the minute see spiritual life wow direct barometer you know like this has taken an an unhealthy level in my life and you mentioned students you know like more and more conversations i'm having right now uh in groups of people that are just admitting yes i really really struggle with anxiety and i think i think with people that are maybe a little bit older i think that Honestly, most of the time, it's it's that they've learned how to cope, whether in good ways or bad ways. They've learned coping mechanisms to try and mask it or try and control it in in, in some way. Mm-hmm. But we all we all have that just just that ebb and flow of anxiety that that you know goes yeah. through us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a scary thing to consider, which especially these days, how vulnerable we are. Things we thought we could never lose, we really can lose. Mm-hmm. Um, things uh, that 
you know, gave us a lot of comfort are gone. And that is incredibly scary. It is scary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's okay to feel that mm-hmm. scariness. But as a believer, we do have somewhere to go with it. You know, I liked, I liked when you were talking about, um, when Paul's talking about whatever is pure, whatever is noble. He's, he's giving you this, this list and just talking about all these good things. And I, I loved how you brought up um, how this is not a uh, sort of mental exercise necessarily. It's not something that you mentally, you know, like, I'm going, I'm, I'm doing this on my own. You, you really brought in the relational aspect of it's the connection with Christ that allows you to even be able to to ponder the things that are pure and noble and good and and really like you know what 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 ability do we really have apart from him to really even grasp any kind of mystery or beauty in the world that's around us you know i love that you just that you portrayed it not as a mental exercise of let me let me stack my good thoughts here and here and here and and you know do my meditations and whatever else that's going to get me to uh to a pinnacle you know right i i agree i think that's what paul is trying to do is say um and and the henry now and this is the one who just really pointed this out to me really beautifully is that God has a lot of beauty to show us as it relates to what it means to live for him and options to us and facets of purity and holiness and just and and um, if you're if you're with him enough you you start longing for God show show me something give me a sense of something Mm -hmm. in a way I haven't sensed that before Paul's goal in having you see that beauty is live it out he says at the end of the whole thing, practice these things, not just think about them. And the word think means to estimate. It has the idea of evaluate, see what is there, and estimate it as high value, and then go, that's something I ought to pursue. Mm-hmm. And then be grateful that God opened that horizon for you in whatever category it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great motivation to get up every morning and, and seek God and say, Show me something beautiful that I can do for you today mm-hmm. or somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that that's enough. I got Don't you guys think that's I enough? I think I said everything I can, and now I have to st- go start preparing for my NASA test. That's I'm right. going to give it one more, <laughs> one more try. One more okay, try. Okay, you want to waste your time? Go hey, ahead, Mike. One more hey, try. thanks for being with us. Uh, glad to have you in. Hope this conversation helped you a little bit. Thank you.